0: Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a nutritionist, and I'm a bodybuilder.
1: Rob Fortress-Fortney here. I'm an ex-bodybuilder, powerlifter, ex-editor at Mustang International, and all-around handsome guy. Ooh, and this
2: is Phil Stevens coming to you via I-70, um, headed east. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, runlifterhope.org, and strengthfield.com. And the Night Rider. <laughs> Yeah, in my Volvo XC70.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And yeah. listeners, we have with us today uh, Clay Height, who's uh, a chiropractor and fellow lifter. Um, before we get to uh, Clay and, and learn a little bit about his origins, we're just going to uh, touch on some listener mail. Um, as you know, we've been doing an iTunes um Drive, in a sense, where we're trying to get people to just to log on and, and vote. And, of course, we've got some giveaways for people who can get five people to uh, participate on the iTunes side of things. Um, I just want to offer a couple. These are just over the last couple of days. And I know, Rob, you have a, an email uh, that you got from uh, a listener as well. So this is sort of a new segment. Excuse me,
2: but it appears you have been presented with an addition to your inbox. Would you like tea and crumpets with that, my lord?
0: Uh, that will do, but we're getting a lot of comments and, um, yeah, actually a lot of uh, bandwidth actually going out in January. A lot of listeners, new listeners. So here's our first one. It's, um, again, this is via iTunes. How refreshing. Thank God for your no-nonsense approach to the iron mindset. There is an unfortunate uh, plethora plethora of misinformed fitness and nutrition internet gurus out there who lead people astray, which leads to at best diminished results and at worst severe injury. You all, on the other hand, provide people with a very informed and educated look at the world of fitness and nutrition. Thank you all for providing listeners with such great content. Oh, that's nice. So yeah, that's from yeah, GGUSMC. February 1st. Uh, the next guy, this is from... um it looks like C.R. Carroll. He says, uh, if you go to the gym or not, you need to listen every week. You're missing out if not. Smart, entertaining radio. Keep it up, guys. So thank you. Um, we've got a guy. The next uh, one is simply called Smart. by. It looks like it's C-U-R plus ones. Uh, it says, "If you want to hear some of the smartest people in the industry talk about how to get big and strong, look no further. Yeah. This podcast is funny and informative. You will get big and strong." So, <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, I like it. yeah. yeah. We're, we're funny because we're goofballs, not because we're trying to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sadly, it's just the truth. Uh, this next one says, yeah. "My Call to Action" by uh, Just uh, Justino or Justin O, five thirty This is just from January 30th. He says, I found Iron Radio to be immensely informational, endlessly entertaining, and massively motivational. Nice alliteration there. When I listen, I feel like I'm talking shop with a couple of buddies. This podcast is the highlight of my podcast consumption. And Lonnie, Phil, and Rob have even inspired me to compete in my first powerlifting meet in November 2012. This podcast is the best of the best so (laughs) there's again we have a sort of an influx of these because we've actually been asking people to participate um you know with itunes i'll just read one more i'll I'll do the, the top five on here this one says great show by kevin lusk uh been listening for a while and have gotten a lot of practical information keeps you motivated if you want some good information to get serious about training this podcast is for you so thank you kevin yeah. All right, so, again, we have uh, several of these uh, people that are just saying uh, very good things, lots of four- and five-star reviews, and we like that. And, again, part of the reason for the iTunes Drive is because we, there's just, um, again, like the one uh, listener said, a plethora of podcasts out there that are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of reviews, and we have less than 100. So that just gets the competitor and me a little bit riled up. Uh, when you 're talking about like raw food divas and and some of these things are just um not there 's anything really wrong with that it 's just uh, and then some of the podcasts literally are just about books so you know it 's mostly an ad like to go with a new book yeah. and you know the podcast uh our podcast iron radio sadly is that 's all you get <laughs> that's that 's the content yeah. itself it 's not a a mechanism to push something else so anyway well I got a couple new uh, by, I got
2: my eight by eleven Autographed nude copies of pictures that I'm selling.
1: Well, that's the thing I was uh, I was about yeah. to say. I was going to say we we're all having our own uh, glossy eight by ten lines of uh, photos coming out. Phil's got a couple
0: now, and <laughs> uh, there you go. Calendar. We'll make a calendar. Yep. Oh,
1: yep. <laughs> the, the guys of Iron <laughs> Radio. <laughs> yep. Wow, hot seller. I bet it sell. It would sell. Like twelve people.
0: Yeah, that's actually our secret, right? So many of these like. Uh, some of the supplement companies and magazines, you know, they they create something that's a secret buildup, and then they kind of spring it on you. So we've been yep. secretly plotting for four years to eventually yep. sell our calendar. That's all we really want. Yeah, it's,
2: really it's so hardcore. Album. We were, we we weren't supposed to release it to the public because it's so hardcore. We shouldn't give it to you, but we're going to go ahead and try. It.
0: That's right. We have a reluctant physician to <laughs> uh, back it. <laughs> we'll give you all the research batch of the calendar. <laughs> yep. All right, Rob, so you've got an interesting email there, don't you? Well, yeah,
1: no, I just got got an email from a a dude that uh, he's an expat Canadian, and he's a lifting enthusiast, and he's living in Japan, and this letter is from Jeremy, Um, and he just writes in a a reasonably lengthy letter, but, I mean, the one, he basically says he stumbled across the show on iTunes, there you go, and he can say it's one of the most well-put-together, no-nonsense, and informative lifting podcasts online today. Thanks, guys, for providing all the great information. And honestly, the numerous guests and experts that you do, it really helps spread great information. Woo! Um, And he goes on a little bit about uh, some of the uh, um, challenges he's faced um, trying to lift manly over where he is. Apparently, uh, gyms over there, uh, a great many of them cater uh, less to, um, you know, the the type that we, the demographic that we serve and more to the kind of the... uh, you know, the treadmill machine kind of guys. But anyway, he says, anyway, thank you Fortress Phil and Dr. Lowry for all the motivation and support. You don't know how much it means to people. Stay, stay strong, guys. Jeremy. So that, that's very nice. And like I, like I keep saying to people um, yeah. all the time, we love to hear this stuff, you know. It, 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 you know, him saying that, you know, it doesn't, we don't know how much it means to people. You know, it's actually starting to sink into, I think, for, a, for us in the last year or so because we're getting more and more communications from our listeners and um, you know, so it, it, it really is nice because, you know, it's true, off, Rob.
0: You know, it's yeah. far flung people too. That's kind of what's really hitting me is that people say, you know, it's nice. I don't have people, like-minded people around me. And this is just yeah. one of the nice things yeah. I think technology can do. You, if you live in the middle of, uh, you know, Kansas <laughs> hey. or if you, or whether you live like, you know, I, in Japan where, you know, the, the subculture just isn't there in the same way, same way or, or wherever, you know, this is, uh, transcends boundaries like that, I think, and that's the kind of cool thing about it.
1: Yeah, so just know, to all our listeners out there, no matter where you might be, you are a part of the Iron Rail Brotherhood and Sisterhood, so... That's right.
0: We will reach you. We will
1: reach you and go to the gym and do your business with pride, man, because we got your back. And you'll right get that on. calendar mail in the mail pretty soon. Oh, no,
0: yeah. we can't offer that. <laughs> Clay, are you in? Are you going to be in the calendar with us?
3: <laughs> you know, I... Um, you know, I'm kinda of torn. It it, um, <laughs> it 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 sounds uh Yeah, it sounds interesting. I'm kinda i of, I'm kinda of speechless. Make make or a break break thing. I'm
0: speechless.
2: <laughs> this could make I'm your career or break
3: this. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I know the line of you are a bodybuilder yourself, but there for some reason I am just I'm not um I don't know, I'm not, I don't have a massive desire to see you guys in a speedo posing all <laughs> sexy, so
0: yeah, Clay, you um, haven't seen Phil's uh, holiday card. <laughs>
3: oh, boy. I'm not on his Christmas card list, which might yeah, be a imagine,
0: good thing. Imagine a 280-pound dude with nothing but a power belt and a Santa hat. That's all I'm <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my... I didn't
3: dig it into my mailbox. I had wristbands, yeah.
0: We're going to serve up 12 months of that with our calendar. <laughs> serve yeah. up. All right. Wow. Let's get back here. Um so thanks for being on with us, Clay. What I wanted to do was um just start off like we often do and ask you first about your origins, you know, in the iron sport. Uh and if, of course, if you want to, you could talk about your your interest in allied health and, you know, how you got, you know, deeper and deeper into the the study of, you know, health and health care and things like that as well and your education and whatnot. But I think listeners really like to hear sort of the crossover, right? So the academic and athletic uh inspirations of your origins.
3: Yeah, well I guess um that's that's all a uh yeah, that's a lot. I wouldn't know where to begin. But let's start with, I guess my first um first major sporting endeavor, actually before was before bodybuilding and it was BMX racing. And uh I went to the local bike shop to um I wanted to buy a racing bike you know quote unquote racing bike not one from Walmart so I went to the bike shop and put one on layaway and uh, the guy was building a BMX track around the corner and so anyway long story short he recruited me to race I think he just wanted more customers to buy you know number plates and gear and stuff so he talked me into racing and I absolutely loved it I uh, I ended up racing I don't know like a dozen years or so and I actually ended up uh racing professionally before oh wow uh, before i quit like in uh in high school i was a professional bmx racer and uh you know that was that was neat that's sort of what um i, I mean it, it kind of sounds corny but that's really what uh got my confidence going before that i was just like a shy nerdy kid you know that was that was smart but i just was quiet you know and um so with the uh, BMX racing, because I was lucky to be good at it, um, you know, it that just I don't know, it just really boosted my confidence. So then uh from there, let's see, when I freshman year well I just I almost moved when I graduated high school, I almost moved to Southern California, which is considered then and it still is, considered the Mecca of BMX racing. So but as a professional you you know, you kinda need to be where the Better people are if you're going to improve. So I almost moved to Southern California when I graduated high school, but for some reason I um, I had the thought, and it's kind of funny now. I remember thinking, we not, you know, fast-forwarding in my head. Well, when I'm 35, which seems so far away, you know, like, well, when I'm an old man, uh, would it be better if I had, you know, pursued professional BMX racing, moved to Southern Cal, or?" Or if I went to college, so I said, "Well, I think I know the answer to that." So I ended up going to um, going to college, and so then at, the, at that point, that's when I shifted to bodybuilding. I was already lifting to get better at really just to get better at BMX. At the time, I didn't care, you know, I didn't really care uh, what I looked like. It was sort of a, you know, uh, I don't know. It was a, more of a performance thing. I just wanted to. Uh, pedal faster, man, that was it. So Sure. Uh so then I started um started lifting then and actually so it was my freshman year in college. But it was like by that point I was hooked on competition and on, you know, setting and achieving goals and, and uh what I called back then, it was like I was hooked on winning. You know, it was just for a shy kid. And I was a fat kid too, or chubby by by today's standards, I would be considered a chubby kid, but back then I was like a fat kid. So, um, you know, so it was neat to, uh, you know, when I excelled in a sport, which is BMX, it just, uh, you know, I wanted more of it, I guess you could say. Be in the spotlight or whatever and have something to compete for. And so I decided to pick up bodybuilding then. So when I was 19, I did my first bodybuilding show, uh, which was at the time, actually, I was racing BMX and doing bodybuilding. And um, then I went to basic training with the uh, army, and that's when I officially gave up BMX racing, and um, mm-hmm. and then kind of picked up, continued on with bodybuilding. Um,
0: okay, so that's that's uh, quite a leap there. From I'm, I, I understand the competitive part, but from BMX to bodybuilding. So you, I mean, obviously there was a something in between there. You didn't just go from the physique of a BMXer to to bodybuilding there, right? I mean what 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 was the draw into the actual bodybuilding?
3: Well I, I guess it was more it's kinda of like BMX really where it was um, as much a matter of opportunity and uh, you know I was already lifting and a member at a you know a local gym that was, you know, pretty pretty cool, kind of um kind of hardcore uh gym. And it it was really honestly it was just like well, I mean I did get feedback from people that like,
1: you know, oh man, you've
3: got a good physique. And um but I, I guess it was more because I was like an endo ectomorph, so kinda of like when I started lifting, uh when i you know, when I finally got rid of all my fat as well, and then I was able to build muscle fairly easily. So I guess it was you know, part of it was that people commented on that I had, you know, good genetics I guess for bodybuilding, but it was it was really it was just like it was there i was already going to the gym you know initially to train for bmx and some people there competed and they had you know had flyers on the wall or whatever and it was just one of those you you ever had you ever think of something i'm sure listeners have too where you think of a a goal that's like would be so cool to do but you think there's no way i could ever do that you know like oh that would be neat but oh well mm-hmm. you know and that's how bodybuilding was for me so when it when I had people around me that were like oh you should do this show you know coming up whatever this summer or whatnot I just um I don't know I just decided to what the hell let me let mm-hmm. me go for it because it just I kind of still had the a the little bit of mindset and insecurity uh, being you know chubby when I was a kid but yet I had the confidence from being a Really good BMX racer, so I just thought, well, what the hell, let me try it. Let me just see if I can get on stage and not get laughed, you know, to not get laughed off stage was my goal. Yeah, uh, that was,
1: that was really it. Um, do you
3: know it, that, said, uh, really was-
1: sorry, if I can just interject, do you know that, um, the retired Canadian pro bodybuilder Bob Weatherill actually started as a champion BMX uh, or a motocross rider? I didn't know
0: that. Oh, yeah. yeah?
1: Yeah, and he, a funny story yeah. he used to tell me is that uh, his cat he always had genetic calves, and he always had a trouble buying the boots because they never fit his calves. Anyway. <laughs> nice. that's, I never, I
3: don't know. I just don't a have a calf problem.
1: Yeah, just <laughs> a little side. A little uh,
3: interesting side, though. Yeah, so yeah. he raced motocross. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, I had to pedal my bicycle. <laughs> but, um,
0: <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Goodness, so, Clay, board, how far um, did you take that? How far did you take the... Um, you know, the bodybuilding, did you just compete once and then just make it a lifestyle after that or did you keep competing or what?
3: No, I'm um, I'm a pretty um, I'm a pretty determined kind of stubborn individual, so um no, I competed about probably thirty times or so. Wow. Um, okay. So I did my I did my first one and it, I made a decent showing. I got second place, but unfortunately there was only two people so that kinda sucked and um so i just wanted to uh i wanted to do better the next time i weighed in i guess i was the same height i am now which is 511 and i I weighed in for my first show at uh, 156 pounds and um (laughs) and and so i uh, was obviously really skinny so actually you you said that i have you know go from having the body of a BMX racer to bodybuilding. I actually pretty much entered my first bodybuilding show with the body, the body of a BMX racer.
1: Okay. See, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs>
3: I wasn't. I certainly wasn't all that. I didn't have uh, genetic potential screaming through them. Um, no. So from that point, I just wanted to improve. That's what. uh That's just kind of my mindset. To me, what I mean, a large part of what life is all about is just constant steady improvement um and you know, there's just more i don't know more interesting that way so i there's so there's no way i could have only done that first show because look what i got last place and I, I weighed 156 pounds so i bulked up for my next show weighed in and they were 158
0: I'm like Ooh. yeah
3: I showed them. yeah put the mass on but actually i was a lot i did have a lot more muscle because i got a lot leaner for that uh, X show, so anyway, if we fast forward, I mean, I can go into whatever, you know, details in between that you want. But my goal—I remember the day that I that I weighed in at my first bodybuilding show. Um, it's kind of weird psychologically. It was, um, and I'm probably—I don't know if I should be saying this. It sounds kind of weird, but I was, um, you know, in BMX when I was the state champion. I was ended up winning uh, the state championship eight times. So. It's like when I went to a BMX race, for lack of a better term, it's like I was a big deal at a BMX race. So, again, like as an insecure kid, it was neat to have that attention. So when I went weighed in at my first bodybuilding show, which I got there late, so I had to weigh in in the parking lot, actually, on the scales, which was really embarrassing. And uh, I, I well, said to myself, the that day, lot? I,
0: how do you yeah, weigh in in a I'm parking awesome.
3: lot? Same way, you just stand on the scale. Uh, no, I mean, why
0: you know, did
3: they have the scale outside? I don't know. It's still adamant. yeah. No, That's so interesting. I, uh, I, got, I got there late. I got there re- late. We were like, right as they were closing the uh, registration. And so the, uh, the guy was walking out with the scales, you know, the head judge or whatever. He was walking out. And um, I said, oh, I'm here for the bodybuilding show. And he goes, oh, okay, well, shoot. So I'm weighing in right here. So I checked in and weighed in and registered and everything right there in the parking lot because he was on the way out. Wow! So it it started off bad already. Um, so Clay, what it, about
0: what what about your uh your you know what would you list as your greatest achievement? Then you know your your um, biggest body mass or your best performance or biggest show you've done when it comes to uh, bodybuilding?
3: Well, probably. Um, Probably winning the uh the bodybuilding state winning my class um in the open division but open light heavyweight um in the uh state championship because that's that's the, the conclusion of that goofy weigh in story is that I told myself that day i want to be state champion in bodybuilding like i am in BMX. you know it's kind of like to me that would signify success like i want to conquer this sport like i've conquered BMX. So I made it my goal. I wanted to be bodybuilding state champion. I wanted to be, you know, the Mr. Alabama, as you know, they call it. And uh in, in Alabama, of course. And uh so I achieve I so fast forward about ten years and I won my class, the open light heavyweight, and I lost the overall by one point. Man, I was I was I was really bummed. So oh, um
0: so that, yeah, so light probably, heavyweight you my, you you got you got much bigger <laughs> between the one fifty six and, and then actually stepping on stage what in the one nineties I'm guessing.
3: Yeah, but that was about ten years. Yeah. Um so it wasn't it, it wasn't overnight, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I did I, I
0: can identify. <laughs> right.
3: But uh, but yeah, I did um I ultimately built a pretty decent um pretty decent physique, I suppose. Um and so I weighed in at uh, we did 198, I believe, when I won the uh, state championship. Normally, I've, I've competed at 205 one time, uh, but other than that, I uh, usually compete at, these days, uh, at 198, kind of. It seems like I've plateaued there, and I don't, part of it is I don't like to eat enough in the off season to get big enough to diet down to be like 220, you know, 225 like I need to be to really mm-hmm. do well in bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, so that that was my highest achievement i guess but in one but one year i got six i believe at the uh the junior u s a um so that's yeah, i think that's the only national yeah that's the only national show i've done okay the, uh, well, the junior u s a and got six there which was decent um so yeah. i guess i guess that's where I stand in terms of uh, where i stood i i still i mean i still plan to compete again in bodybuilding uh i haven't I just uh, have been, you know, just uh, busy with other stuff, and it's And not.
0: how old are you? How old are you now, Clay?
3: I am 38, about okay. to be actually uh, going to be 39 this month, later this month. So, Rock on. good. So, probably what I'll do is wait until uh, till I turn 40. Well, I will about need to this year will be shot anyway, but compete again in the Masters when I'm uh, when I turn 40. And actually, it's a kind of a back-of-my-mind goal to do the uh, Masters Nationals and um, see if I could maybe get top five there or something like that. Mm. But I absolutely love, I mean, I love bodybuilding. What I love about it so much is that not only is it a physical challenge, you know, like BMX or any other sport, mixed Martial Arts, another sport I'm a fan of and secretly would love to do, but um, I just love the academic part, which I know you guys do, too. Um, just the, the science man it's just um I, I absolutely love it so that's so I, could, I don't think I could ever quit bodybuilding so to speak it's just uh it's it's so neat both intellectually and physically you know so that's uh um that's what got me into the academic part too which I need to catch my breath for sure before I talk about that but um But that's what, you know, just me, my interest in improving my own physique, to not get my ass kicked as bad in the next bodybuilding show, was my impetus or or catalyst for me studying nutrition and training and so on. Right.
0: Okay, I'll tell you what, Clay, uh, we're going to go to break. Uh, When we come back, we'll start with a, uh, a little bit of your background uh, and we'll set up the topic of the day. And listeners, the reason we asked uh, Clay to come on is he's a chiropractor, and we're going to basically talk about chiropractic and how it overlaps with um, other health professions like nutrition or exercise physiology. Uh, and we're also going to talk about, um, I, I want to ask Clay, why there are so many... Uh, bodybuilders it seems like among chiropractors or maybe reverse that how many chiropractors there are in bodybuilding it seems like there's quite a few and i'm just curious about that so we'll be right back everybody hi this is dr lonnie lowry and on behalf of phil and rob i just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on itunes it helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact Uh, Follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Welcome back, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry and Phil Stevens and Rob Fortress-Fortney. And we have Clay Height on the phone uh, Clay's a chiropractor, and we want to talk to Clay a little bit uh, about sort of the good and the bad of chiropractic and, and also how it overlaps with other um, health professions. Uh, if I can just uh, uh, read something quickly here. Um, part of the impetus for this was I read uh, across a couple of websites and blogs, uh, Mercola.com. There's a couple of blogs in here. Strength and Muscle Sport News. And the title of this sort of caught my eye because, uh, Rob and Phil and I, you know, we have, uh, pro and con, good and bad kind of experiences with chiropractors in, in, in the past. And I think, uh, Clay's gonna point out, you know, there are better examples and, and probably poorer examples of, of what they do. But the title of this is, Chiropractors and Naturopaths, Are They Dangerous? Um, and just a couple of points here. It says, the medical profession has a long history of opposing alternative healing professions. Medicine's opposition to chiropractic was its strongest under the leadership of Morris Fishbean. Uh, this is about 50 years ago, and he launched a 50-year anti-chiropractic campaign uh, in both professional publications and in the public media. And then it says, historically, uh, in 1982, and again in the mid-'80s, uh, there were some lawsuits between chiropractors and physicians, uh, five chiropractors filed an antitrust suit against the American Medical Association. Uh, the Mercola website goes on to say the AMA continued to wage a campaign against chiropractic and then brought in um, partners, the American Dental Association, the American Cancer Society, uh, American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Psychiatric Association, uh, and it says sort of, uh, although the ongoing attack against osteopathic medicine has largely faded away, chiropractic still seems to be sort of a target of the AMA. And then here it says in 2006, the AMA, the way um, Mercola states, it declared war on natural medicine by publicly stating on its website a couple of issues that it has with chiropractic. Uh, and then it says, according to the Integrator blog, the American Psychiatric Association joined in to, quote, thwart the growing threat of expansion of the scope of practice of allied health professions. Uh, and it talks about other medical associations making similar pledges, etc. And in 2010, uh, there was yet some other uh, resolutions uh, between uh, the AMA and then chiropractic and how some state medical associations are jumping on board in 2010. So because of these sorts of things and because... I've heard you know such a breadth of these things. I think what I want to ask really here and open up for the topic of the day is, you know, um, if you can sort of educate listeners, Clay, what is the relationship between chiropractors when it comes to stuff like exercise programming or getting prescriptive with nutrition? You know, what's what's the relationship there for real?
3: Um, well, let's see. Which I mean, the kind of. Which uh, which one of those? Uh, well,
0: uh, well, let's start with training and, and like exercise prescription and that sort of thing. I mean, what kind of background do chiropractors get there? Let's start with the exercise stuff.
3: That they have. Um, it would be in terms of training. I mean, it's not specific. I mean, you think well, like what kind of what kind of training does a medical doctor have that enables him to write training programs? Well, nothing. Specifically, they don't take training classes, but uh, they're certainly astute. They should certainly know type one from a type two and two A and B muscle fibers. So it's kind of like having the fundamental uh, knowledge, scientific knowledge. But what where I think where the chiropractic um, education excels in what parallels training is the biomechanics. Chiropractors actually get far more hours of education in. Uh, biomechanics kinesiology uh human movement type um, type classes and even actually more more anatomy and physiologies than uh, you do in med school you know like i uh, you know comparing our... hour my point is it's uh it will be similar to what a um a medical doctor would have but i would um yeah I'd venture to say maybe most chiropractors probably have if you're to go head to toe you know like kind of a basic biomechanics, you know, kinesiology of each joint, I would say the average chiropractor is, uh, you know, quite a bit better at that than uh, the average medical doctor.
0: But yeah, it's that sort a, of strikes a, def- a chord with me. In exercise physiology, like in our curriculum, for example, you know, the students, they take two years of anatomy and physiology, then they take anatomical kinesiology, then they take mechanical kinesiology, you know what I mean? So, so it sounds like mm-hmm. chiropractors are getting something similar that the exercise phys students are getting then
3: yeah we we get it's like um yeah getting a uh, basic not only do we have undergrad you know you have to have the uh, undergrad anatomy and physiology to get in, but then we have gross anatomy uh just like you do in med school physiology so and then we have actually dedicated courses like a biomechanics course just on the cervical spine and then one or or one on the i'm sorry the uh the spine in general then we have you know, appendicular biomechanics at the upper extremity. You know, it's an entire mm-hmm. uh, course. You know, just talking about the shoulder, elbow, and and wrist. Um, so yeah, it's it's complement and same for lower extremity. I mean, but but the the chiropractic education really is it's borderline ridiculous in biomechanics and and how the body moves. But I bet I bet you would agree that most people see my undergrad degree is in exercise science. That's what I. That's what I started. I didn't set out to be a chiropractor. I actually wanted to be a, what I called a muscle doctor. I'm like, who? which kind of doctor studies and works on muscles? That's what I want to do. So I took out the curriculum, literally, of mid-school, osteopathic, you know, DO school, uh, chiropractic school, physical therapy. And so I took them out, and I, the way I decided was I read the classes that I was going to have to take those curriculums and then chose chiropractic. It's like it was the closest thing to being a muscle doctor that mm-hmm. back at time. And yeah um,
0: you know what, Clay, I think a lot of times people I'm sure listeners have are familiar with hearing stuff like before beginning any exercise or diet program, check with your physician. You know, and again it mm-hmm. does seem funny because Phil and I were talking before we hit the record button you know a lot of medical schools don't require a tremendous amount of nutrition, or like you're saying, certainly not a lot of exercise programming and and yet legally they seem to be the authority for signing off because of their background in physiology and pathophysiology and and those sorts of um almost tangential types of things as opposed to specific courses you know
3: it it is and that's um i mean i don't I don't give any thought to all the political like you know this and now the, like bickering back and forth with um I mean I think it's all ridiculous and I think I think it's largely it's the it's fear of the unknown that's it that's all it is like you know people tend to be biased we tend to be biased toward people that are like us I mean that's a scientific I mean it's a proven fact so I think most people when people don't know about what chiropractic is it just it seems weird to them you know right but, well, um, I'll tell you what clay but, let, yeah. let, let,
0: let. Let me cover the nutrition side then, because just yesterday I heard a radio spot here up in Minnesota, and it's literally a chiropractor who's setting up meal plans, uh, and charging for them. And I can tell you, you know, based on what you just said, I've, I've seen something very similar, that professions love to protect their own scope of practice, and dietitians hate it when chiropractors start getting prescriptive with nutrition. So maybe explain a little bit about that. Where does a chiropractor fit, uh, you know, giving prescriptive nutrition information, you know, and what makes them qualified to do that? Or are, do they run in parallel with dietetics? How does that work?
3: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And, and it's, I mean, it's a fairly vague one. Um, I, mean, vague, not, I mean, not specific in answer is what I mean, not a big question. Um, we in... In chiropractic school the we had in particular the and I believe every uh, chiropractic curriculum would have this we had um, well I had a, a nutrition course in undergrad, of course but then in school we had uh, nutrition one and then a, a clinical nutrition class so we had two you know, two classes ten hours I guess of um, of nutrition training plus the of course, the biochemistry and so on, where you learn a lot of nutrition, you know, based on the, uh, you know, learning biochemistry. But anyway, it's, that's the, that's the, um I guess the extent of, of the, uh, education. But yeah, I mean, it, it sounds kind of minimal, I guess, maybe, uh, two nutrition classes. Yes, yeah, I mean, those two, I'll say, were as packed as, as, uh, they can get, especially the second one. I mean, it was, it was a good, Clinical uh, nutrition class. Now, where, as uh, you were saying, that like you guys were talking about, you know, med schools and not requiring much nutrition. They don't. Uh, they didn't, med schools don't require any nutrition courses. Last I, I mean, last I checked, or I mean, it, something could have changed, but I doubt it. So it, you know, it's it's odd to me. I mean, I would be the first to say like that. Maybe there should be like a. Um, Whatever standard we could agree upon for people that can prescribe certain dietary protocols, I'm I'm cool with that, like a dietitian, for example. However, but then we've got to address like um, medical doctors that can do that as well that have zero nutrition. Right, so, you know that's right. Just a lot way. of the
0: underlying physiology right or pathophysiology but as far as straight nutrition i do think it's changing somewhat i think you're, you're seeing more nutrition education among mds now but i still don't think it's it, it's a tremendous amount um uh, you know and what i mean i think about it, i mean i can see where people could become frustrated and start thinking about scope of practice i mean I, for example, I went to school for 15 years to call myself doctor and to have a license to practice nutrition. You know, so when you say 10 hours, i got to admit, I think, wow, 10 hours? I have hundreds of hours of that stuff. You know what I mean? And I think that's where scope of practice starts to become, sometimes people start getting contentious, and it becomes, uh, mine, no, mine, mine. And, you know, and people start arguing back and forth instead of trying to figure out where we can create um, – you know, where the opportunities to make a referral? Uh, because I see a lot of these professions, they start certifying each other, you know, and I mean, four hours on a Saturday getting certified in something that a whole other profession does. To me, that's just, that's not, money, yeah. you know, and, and instead of respect about making a referral, you know what I mean? And I so I think instead of looking for referrals and showing that mutual respect, unfortunately, you see a lot of competition because ultimately it's about power and money, like who's got the power to sign off on something or who's going to make money at it, you know what I mean? And you get actually – you get the exercise phys people certifying themselves in nutrition. You get the nutritionists certifying themselves in ex-phys. And again, four hours on a Saturday for a certificate is nothing like four hours of higher education or graduate school, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think that's sort of –
3: you know i mean i i wouldn't argue like on um, on one hand i mean you gotta understand i'm not attached to i don't I, my identity is not i'm a chiropractor you know so i don't i'm not defensive about any of this I could look at it all you know very you know just objectively and, and uh i like i said i could agree that um or, or um, could be could come to agree that there needs to be x amount of nutrition um uh, training and so on. For you know, for anybody to practice, you know, um, get paid to do it, you know, write prescriptive plans, but, but again, we've got to look at that across the board, and uh, and see who can and can't, you know, who can and can't do it, um, kind of even the playing field. And I guess one thing to have on my in mind when I'm thinking about that is, to me, us us addressing like chiropractors doing nutrition is, is to me, less of a concern than personal trainers doing nutrition and the fact that I, I coach bodybuilders, um, and half a year, that's part of, you know, what I do for a living is bodybuilding, coaching, consulting, whatever. Okay. And you probably know that all the major, you know, the top, so to speak, bodybuilding, nutrition coaches, guru, whatever they want to call themselves, most of them have zero nutrition training, zero, haven't even taken uh, like an undergrad class in it, you know? Right, so and like I'll tell you,
0: I think that's that's where you, you get tons of, you know, dieticians, for example, coming out of the woodwork because I've seen full websites with bodybuilding gurus, you know, promoting themselves as nutritionists or doing nutri- meal plans, and, I mean, they're doing this in states where the nutrition is regulated, right? They are literally committing misdemeanor crimes, and I think they don't even mm-hmm. know it. I mean, as part of my training, they actually I actually went on busts of people who were practicing nutrition without a license. Can you believe that? And I mean, sometimes I didn't actually agree with what was happening in front of me, but I, I was amazed at how serious some states are. And then, of course, some states much less, um, you know, rigorous and defensive in that regard.
3: That's more of an annoyance to me because I will say most... Um, uh, most chiropractors, one most chiropractors are decent at, decent at basic, you know, at at the nutrition advice that they are going to give, you know, like to that extent that they're going to give in the office. I'd say most of it. And again, I'm, I'm trying to look at it as, as uh, unbiased as possible because I'm pretty critical of chiropractors myself. But uh, I don't see a problem. I don't see many chiropractors trying to overstep their boundaries in terms of. Nutrition, because that's not where they make their money. They can, you know, it's, uh, I don't, I don't see a problem there. Well, I, that's an interesting
0: point. Advice. Yeah, so that's, so you, you think most chiropractors, they really don't make a lot of money doing the nutrition stuff anyway.
3: Yeah, I mean, most of them don't, most of them give the, the, uh, nutrition advice that any doctor that's treating patients should, should give. What, I was going to say, what, what medical doctors should give. You know, when someone comes in and, and has high blood pressure, and my beef, and I'm not anti, you know, medicine at all. Again, I just, uh, I'm just in between. We all need to work together. But it, it does bother me when a medical doctor, like somebody comes in with high blood pressure, and they get whatever, you know, medication to, to lower the blood pressure, but yet not one, you know, speck of advice on nutrition or exercise. And so it's like, I don't know, I have a beef with that, more so, you know, again, it's like I don't mind entertaining the, you know, and and to talk about, you know, the, the chiropractic side of it, but it's like that, to me, they're bigger fish to fry. It's not chiropractors giving poor nutrition advice. You know, and um, I think
0: that's a good point there, Clay, because I a lot of times, even if it's a personal trainer, um, getting very basic nutrition education to people again yeah you have to be careful you don't want unqualified people to do it but let's face it i mean trying to raise the educational base or you know the knowledge base like if it's something as simple as sodium restriction helps some people with their blood pressure you know basic mm-hmm. stuff uh or about exercise in general I mean, exercise is medicine and yet you know exercise physiologists they're not licensed uh you know so i mean there's a, there's a lot of issues here uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff. But well, I wanted to ask, because um, we're in our last kind of quarter of the show here, and I'm going to get Rob and Phil in on this too, is um, you said you're critical sometimes of chiropractic, and I myself, I'm critical of dietitians often, you know, because again, I think we need to be making referrals and working together as much as possible. There's a whole lot of work that needs to be done with a country where three out of four of us are fat, you know, basically. Um, so what are some of the, you know, the good and the bad uh things that you've seen uh chiropractors do especially as regards to you know weight trainers or or just in general like sometimes chiropractors it seems like to me there's two schools there are some that are very evidence based and then there are some that get frankly pretty far into left field i mean we've actually had some on the show before talking about green lasers and etching you know, vitamin information into your energy field instead of taking vitamins. And, I mean, this stuff gets pretty far flung. So, I mean, what's some of the good and bad that you've seen?
3: You don't etch vitamins into, uh, into yourself instead of taking them? <laughs> no, on, I never mind.
0: had a class on that. Nope, never done that with a patient. Nope.
3: Man, that's... Uh, what kind <laughs> I'm of behind the times. <laughs>
1: Man.
3: Um, now, my, my beef with, uh, or my... Uh, main yeah, i guess beef with um with chiropractic or chiropractors would be actually not from a standpoint i, w- I would say like the training aspect again is not is a really a non issue because chiropractors aren't you know gener- or aren't trying to overstep their boundaries in terms of what they're um prescribing in terms of exercise mm-hmm. and um but I would say what's more problematic here's my beef is the uh some that, un, that under that do this uh, like a, they'll hire a marketing company to help them you know boost their practice and sell like visits in packages you know like try to sell people hmm. like twenty five hundred dollars worth of visits like oh yeah. if you pay now for these you know for your three hundred visits which it's going to take to straighten your spine out then
1: yeah you know
3: if you, but if you pay up front instead of being ten thousand dollars it'll just be twenty five hundred. <laughs> So let's. uh yeah. We take credit cards. So let's go ahead and. Yeah, Frank, that just pisses me off. It, yeah, uh, I've, had, I've, I've had, had
1: chiropractors do that, uh make those kind of proposals to me. To be honest with you. Yeah, yeah like yeah, block
3: plane, Yeah. I've, uh, I've had job offers from, you know, like chiropractors like that, and I'm sorry, I can't. I can't work for you. I can't work for him. Not. Uh, not my style, but that. That is. Um, that's one beef um and that, that's really the main one, because to me that's like you, you need to be in it for uh for the betterment of the the patient i mean that's it, and it's you're not you know that that just shows that it's like it's about the money you know it's yeah. kind of like you guys were talking about at the beginning, you know having a show that's obviously you know a podcast is obviously just a lead in to sell a book that's stuff like that's annoying to me. Um,
0: right. You know, Clay, I'll tell you what. I think uh, what you're talking about there has a lot of uh, parallels with the drug industry. Uh, you know, most drugs are not designed to cure a disease, but rather to treat it. Um, or even now, you know, they're marketing straight to consumers. And they'll say, take this drug or even take this accessory drug that boosts another drug. Uh, and again, I'm not I'm not anti-pharmacy either, but people are taking these booster drugs along with the main drug in case they might one day get a particular disease. You know what I mean? And the same thing you're talking about there. It's like, let's get people strung out for the money, you know? Yes. Yeah. Take take
3: Valtrex just in case you might get herpes. Just go ahead and take it. You know, go ahead and take Valtrex Mm -hmm. just in case. You never know. Um, (laughs) But let's see. My other beef with, uh, because I could, yeah, the medicine thing is, uh, yeah, uh, that's a big annoyance of mine. But I mean because that that's like what's uh in our society today that's what's to me is what's the issue is uh, over prescription of medicine, but nonetheless um with chiropractic, mother, I guess another beef will be chiropractors that do what we call rackham and crackham it's like they basically they adjust every patient you know they do a full spine manipulation, you know adjust their mm-hmm. cervical spine, thoracic spine lumbar spine, and then Pat them on the butt and you're on your way. You know, like you get Rack the, them and crack uh, them. Rack them up, put them, you know, put them on the, put them on the table, rack them up and then crack And then send them <laughs> no. down. It's like guys that, that are trying to see like X number of patients an hour. Yeah. You know, like you're yeah. trying to see 60 patients an hour or something like that or whatever. That's, uh, is that a, oh, no, that, not that many, I'm sorry. But, well, so you know, miss- I do know chiropractors that see 100 a day. Um, Like, on average. Wow. And I don't like that. I mean, that's just not my style. And I will say that just even that, even just getting a full spine manipulation is is very beneficial. I mean, it's good. It's like getting your, it's like analogous to getting your teeth cleaned. It's just good for you. And I think, and everybody needs to do it and would benefit. But your dentist shouldn't go ahead and sell you, you know, a 100 visits of teeth cleaning. And, oh good good yeah, analogy but, yeah so yeah. but it's but but i will say even though you know i'm critical of the rack them and crack style but i gotta admit it's it's not i mean it's still eh, it's like good i mean they're still benefiting keeping the uh keeping the spine moving properly and in its simple terms it that's what that's what chiropractic does is uh is actually a, a buddy of mine in chiropractic school that said this it's uh we restore motion to a fixated joint. Like when you have a joint that's not moving properly and get uh, fixated. I mean, just the uh, you know the small degrees of movement, like in your um, where are your ribs. Here's a, a great place where uh, there's nothing, there's no replacement for an adjustment when you have a rib subluxation, for example, where the rib meets the transverse process of the thoracic spine, mm-hmm. that can get, as we breathe in and out, the ribs, you know, it articulates at that joint. The ribs float up and down. where you can get a fixation there, and the rib, that articulation there is stuck, and it doesn't move properly. So it's like people have you know, pain uh, breathing deep, you know, in and out, or a lot of times it'll be in the front, like along your sternum. They'll have a tender spot there. And then when they lean back, it'll, like, pop and kind of thud in the front. Those are kind of some symptoms of it. But anyway, the point I'm getting to is when uh, when uh you have that, and it can cause the most annoying pain. And I had it for, before I went to chiropractic school, I had a rib subluxation for a year and a half or so. It was excruciating. Anyway, one adjustment, and, that, and it was immediately fixed.
0: Well, that's interesting. Um, I'll tell you, Clay, let's let's segue then because, I mean, I've always thought that, you know, that's where chiropractors seem to shine is if they stick to the musculoskeletal stuff and they're not getting too far into like dietary supplement sales or going off into some of these tangential kinds of technologies or even hokey kind of things that you sometimes see. But, you know, obviously there's, a, there's that legitimate musculoskeletal sort of adjustment sort of thing. Uh, maybe just share with listeners uh, as we start to wind down, what are some of the good things that chiropractors could do for powerlifters, bodybuilders, you know, I mean, because you're a real hybrid kind of guy. You've got a lot of that bodybuilding background. You're meshing it with your, your academics. So, I mean, what can you do or what can chiropractors do that could really help the, the strength crowd?
3: Man, mm-hmm. I'll say this. Um, it is, I mean, how anyone trains seriously and doesn't get... Um, chiropractic where it doesn't get regular adjustments and regular soft tissue work, soft tissue therapy like for example, active release is one that I'm kinda of biased toward. Mm-hmm. Anybody that that trains and I've been I mean this is me speaking from experience, not as a chiropractor. If anybody that trains hard and steady like that, I don't know how you get by without getting you know, the getting adjustments and soft tissue work. Because it's it's we tend to have, you know, Bodybuilders, power lifters—we end up so many times. One, one, for example, with like with muscular imbalances that are going to tend to like to put a shear force on the joint that is um, going to cause it to again not articulate properly, you know. And you'll get joint fixations, and um, and so I mean, it, it's just kind of, it's kind of like um, you know because especially because we do not tend to train in a balanced, um, manner so to speak you know do you know perfectly doing as much you know like back work as we do chest work or extension as we do flexion work and the fact that we live in a flexor dominant society you know we're always at the computer at the car and all our flexor muscles are are um flex so it's kind of like um the adjustments will just make sure that the motion, motion is kept in that joint, whereas the muscle imbalances will cause the immobility of the joint. And, like, uh to be more specific, like the SI joint, you know, we tend to, uh, we bodybuilders, powerlifters, tend to not have the best lower back curvature. You know, we tend to be hyper-lower and have an exaggerated lumbar curve. With, with that, you tend to get SI joint. Fixation, sacroiliac joint fixation. and I've had one myself, excruciating, and um, and manipulation will keep that will keep the SI joint moving properly. And there's uh, and it's just like an instant um, pain relief, kind of like with the um, you know with the rib uh, the analogy that I gave earlier. It's in um, going with the the going with soft tissue. I'm big on that chiropractic and soft tissue work. Need to go together,
2: uh-huh. and that's
3: what I do when I treat patients. I'm <clears throat> doing both soft tissue work and the manipulation.
2: Hey, Clay, so, yeah, you me. just hit on yeah. you just hit on my biggest problem with with a lot of the chiropractors I've seen. It's they will prescribe, like you said, a package, and and they'll mm-hmm. they'll come and somebody has something and they keep cracking it and they never get to the root of the problem, which is the soft tissue that's pulling on this joint that is causing it needed to be cracked and causing the pain. Um, I agree 100%. It's it's those ones that do not mix the soft tissue work with the uh, skeletal work. I think is is my biggest problem. That and the ones that sell like magnetic bracelets that twenty increase twenty percent of your power output and yada yada yada. But uh, that's yeah. a different. No, oh, I
3: I agree with that too. And oh no, oh, here's one of my beefs too is um, and I'm not even saying I'm not even gonna speculate whether it's good or bad, but. Yeah, because I'm open-minded to whatever, but there's one like a, I don't know, a, whatever it is. It's called. They call it network chiropractic, and they'll talk about adjusting someone without touching them because they can feel yeah, their yeah. aura and they're oh going to adjust their aura. Yes.
2: Oh and I'm man. like, hey. Exactly.
3: I'm like, man, hey, to each his own, but do not call that chiropractic. That pisses <laughs> me off because yeah. it's like I don't do that. It's like that's um, to me, it's weird. I mean, I'm not. There's a lot of stuff we don't understand, and I'm I'm open-minded to whatever, but that is not that's not chiropractor, guys. Let's say if you've been to you went to a chiropractor and that's what you got. You got your aura adjusted and some chakra work and whatever, and then you think that that's what I do. Oh, (laughs) hell to the
0: nose. (laughs) You know what, Clay? It's it's like you said when we when we spoke last week about. I like what you're saying about well, that's not legitimate chiropractic. You know, there's a there's a strong contingent of chiropractors that do in fact perform evidence-based medicine, just like an exercise physiologist or a nutritionist or a or a you know a MD would would perform. You know, base it on evidence and that sort of thing. And yeah. instead of like hold a jar of food in one hand and your other hand gets weak when you hold that jar of food, you must be allergic. I mean, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> you know i mean yeah. we have to have some kind of standards and i i mean and i think that and we're just about out of time but i think that's one of the things that we're starting to move toward in a lot of professions is we're trying to standardize without maybe overstepping and becoming a little bit too much like big brother and forcing everybody to be cookie cutters of each other you know what i mean but on some level you've got to have standards of practice because i mean otherwise damn <laughs> you know yeah that makes yeah
3: well we do. There are oddly, um, pretty, uh, pretty solid, uh, standards of practice in chiropractic. Definitely standards of education. That's an area where, uh, people really don't understand the education that, that chiropractors give.
0: But like you said, Clayton, um, then you have people who go so gentle, it's not even chiropractic anymore. That's kind of the problem. Ex-
3: exactly, exactly. So, but it's, you know, it's kind of like the ruling is, I mean, well, it's a lot like with a medical doctor. It's like, you know, don't, you know, don't hurt anybody and XYZ, but that person can still do, um whatever weird stuff they want to on the side and as long as they're not hurting anybody. You know what I mean? Like a medical doctor can, you're talking about selling uh, magnetic bracelets for Ablo. A medical doctor could also sell travel packages at his office, you know, but, but, and that's not necessarily Illegal, you know, so, I don't know. I mean, I, I, to me, to me, the problem is that they've been calling that, for example, network chiropractic. You need to say, I'm a chiropractor doing this technique. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's separate. Because people like me, if you, if you watch me practice, or if I treat you, you wouldn't know that whether you got treated by a medical doctor that specializes in musculoskeletal stuff, by physical therapist or by whomever until it comes to the manipulation part. If you needed an, an adjustment, you know, I don't just adjust if you don't need it. So with people like me and it, it's, it's really, it's most chiropractors, honestly, at least, at least half are like practicing solid sound, fundamental chiropractic. So it's just, you know, it, it It bothers me as much as, as you guys, kind of in a different way, but I think it's sad that people throw, throw the baby out with the bathwater and don't start to, you know, don't look into the benefit, you know, don't know about the benefits that chiropractic can give because they've been exposed to the weirdness.
0: Well, I'm going to end up here. Let me just finish up with a a little endorsement, not just of clay, but of, of evidence-based soft tissue or joint manipulation or whatever. I feel like I need that done badly. I'm one of those offenders that that Clay was mentioning. You know, for 25, 30 years, I've been training my butt off. I'm probably nothing but a mix of scar tissue. I, you know, we joke about Phil being, you know, nothing but scar tissue and bone spurs, but I have never had soft tissue work done. I've never been looked at, and I do feel, you know, now in my early 40s, you know, I feel like my hip is not articulating properly. I feel like, you know, I've got little tweaks and and I'm lost, losing range of motion. I used to be hyper-flexible, not so much anymore. So it sounds to me like it's almost just maintenance like you would do on a car, and I've just been badly neglectful of that sort of thing. So uh,
3: that's, it, You're exactly, I'm sorry, but that's, that's it. They're like if nothing else, in the simplest terms, people can look at chiropractic as maintenance. Because we know there are plenty of studies that show that when you immobilize a joint, It's going to deteriorate. They've done it in animal studies where they immobilize the joints and some poor dogs and the joint deteriorates. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so we can't, when our own joints, one, if they don't move properly, they hurt, but then two, they're not, they're just not getting, they're going to deteriorate. So if nothing else, it's like it it keeps, it maintains motion in the joints. And it's, uh, I don't know. If, if someone gets, you know, goes to a good chiropractor and gets some, uh, some good work, it's like, I don't think they, uh I don't think they would go back, you know what I mean? Uh, I think they'd stay with it and see and reap the uh, the uh benefits. But. Yeah.
0: I, in fact, well, we may ask you on in the future, I, I'd love to do an episode uh just on, you know, ART, basically, you know, and some of the different soft tissue. We had Keith Scheiman on last year, and he was... He's a massage therapist and exercise physiologist, and he does some of that. But I'd like to talk about qualifications of that, you know, where people can look for practitioners, you know, legitimate practitioners that do that and do it right, especially from a bodybuilding perspective, which I know you have. So that'd be awesome to get yeah. you on the future, I think. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that would be great. I actually used to be the director of a massage therapy school. So I've got a quite a bit of… Uh, awesome. Uh experience or whatever opinion and uh in massage but um they go chiropractic i mean chiropractic and massage soft tissue work so go hand in hand it's uh again and i don't i don't see how people don't you know uh don't get it and, and don't benefit just kind of look for the right one it's, well especially
0: uh, you know clay in a, in a in a sport like ours where we're what do we talk about? Going into the gym to annihilate ourselves. You know, we brutalize ourselves. And, I mean, it's true. You do all those things. And, I mean, from osteoarthritis to just, you know, um, I don't know, uh, scar tissue, whatever, it just seems like that's this is exactly the kind of stuff that I'd like to dig into a little bit in the future, get some practitioners on that can, you know, give some advice to some of the lifters. You know, what like what's the value of some of these uh, sponge or bead type rollers and all this kind of you know maintenance stuff. I think we should probably have a maintenance episode. So,
3: yeah, that yeah. um that sounds great, and I would love to be on again. Well, I'd love to be on again at any time, but and talk about some specifics, um, you know, specific uh, I don't know, you know, injuries or or um, treating you know gem type injuries and so on. Um, <laughs> that you know get into some specifics. I'm all about right. so like I'm thinking for. Thinking one like the head of the radius, one place where, and I'll I'll stop at this, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but the head, the, the head of the radius, right under your brachioradialis, right at the elbow joint, where the the head of the radius articulates, and it the, it actually has a little bit of spin to it. I don't know if you have the guys have ever been doing like tricep stuff and your elbow pops there, kind of on the side, and it hurts, like in the like said, kind of uh, on the. Lateral anterior aspect. Anyway, it can happen from just from the head of the radius being subluxated, which means slightly out of place. And you get if you get that adjusted and get it put back in place, it is like instant uh, instant relief. And the elbow pain that you've had for six months is gone. And combine that, I would do a little ART over the muscle, the brachioradialis there,
0: and it's and it's gone. Dude, we're we're coming to see you. We're coming to see you. Yeah. (laughs) We're all brutalized. (laughs) Yeah. So well and again anyway, I just wanted to thank you again for being on. We're just about out of time. So uh and thanks listeners for all that feedback that we got earlier in the show. Um you know, that kind of stuff is always appreciated. And it's it's good to talk to guys like Clay. Uh, Dr. Height and uh, other people that we've had on, whether it's soft tissue or or whatever, because I I think it opens up our awareness. You know, I think a lot of lifters they yeah. do go through life like we're guilty of, and I think a lot of our uh, you know Iron Brotherhood here of uh, uh, maybe thinking you know I just I've been living with this. You just come to accept it, and, and instead you know you got to dig dig into the science, dig into the practice, and try to you know become aware that oh my God, maybe I don't have to hurt, or maybe I can oh, do right, something right. that all my lifts are going to go up, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, sounds like good stuff Big. to me. Yep,
3: yeah, exactly. Well All said. Right. Well said, buddy. And I, I love the show. Love what you guys are doing. It's awesome. Just like the reader said, keep it up.
0: Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types of practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state of the art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single-digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you